Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, a look at the exit day interviews from Paul Maurice and Kevin Chevaldeoff. Plus, we head to New York to get an out-of-town perspective on the Jets from Andrew Chelney, host of the Chell Squared podcast. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Quickly, a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings who have you covered with the second round of the basketball playoffs in full swing. And everybody loves free money, so why not check out DraftKings and your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. It's DraftKings free-to-play pools, super easy to enter, super easy to play. You just download the DraftKings app, click on pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests. And answering questions as simple as who's going to score the most points, who scores first, who hits the most threes, and that'll be your ticket into winning up to 10k each and every day. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, so we'll get to a great interview with Andrew Chelney from SiriusXM Radio in just a bit. But first, we've got to touch on all the buzz over the weekend here in the city. And that was Paul Maurice and Kevin Chevaldeoff's media session following the postseason loss to Montreal. Before we get into some of the comments, and people were fired up about certain things that were said... Maybe the biggest piece of news, I think actually the biggest piece of news to come out, is that, quite simply, Paul Maurice looks like he will be back behind the bench for another season in Winnipeg. I think at this point everyone has their stance on Paul Maurice, and and I don't know if anyone's going to change, so, I mean, you've heard mine numerous times, I don't want to dive into it again, although I will say, quickly, I do believe that a change behind the bench would have been beneficial for the Jets next season. But what's interesting about the decision to me is that now all the pressure falls squarely on the shoulders of Kevin Sheveldayoff moving forward. 
He's hitched his wagon to Paul Maurice. And if there isn't significant improvement during next season, I think we're talking about the Winnipeg Jets not only looking into a new coach, but a new GM for the first time since returning to Winnipeg. So Chevy obviously doesn't think that coaching is the issue in Winnipeg, or he would have made a change. Which is interesting because it did feel like for the first time maybe there was a divide in philosophy between the two earlier during the regular season. So the ball clearly falls into Chevy's court now because a failure to improve the team's blue line moving forward is just beyond unacceptable. And there's just no way in the world you could sell the fan base on returning the exact same team from last year, including the same coaching staff, and expecting anything other than, you know, at best, an early postseason exit. So, again, the pressure falls on Kevin Chevalier to make at least one big-time move this offseason. Maybe two or three. We'll get into that as we continue our offseason work here on Skates and Plates. That does bring us now, though, to some of the comments that had people all fired up. And, you know what, to be honest, I don't really blame anyone for getting worked up at some of the things... That were said by both Paul Maurice and Kevin Chevalier. The left side of our Diaz stack comment is something that was actually not said in jest. So, I mean, to me, that's the most baffling thing that I heard. I mean, look, you can be high on Josh Morrissey and Logan Stanley all you want, but stacked is Tampa Bay's forward core. Or, you know, Colorado's high-end talent. Or, or Carolina's blue line. Like, that's stacked. Not what the Jets threw out on the ice this past season, with all due respect. But what the most upsetting thing to me was, I think it was just the way the youth in the organization was was talked about and, may, and maybe looked down upon. Whether it was there could only be one rookie defenseman in the lineup at a time, or you know Nate Thompson and company vastly outplayed any Winnipeg forward prospect. There just wasn't a lot of love or respect given to the future of the franchise. And it's extremely tough, too, hearing that tone when you consider the team that just waxed the Jets in four straight, brought in a kid no bigger than a chihuahua fresh out of college, and come in and play on their top line and have a ton of success, including setting up the game, the series winner that sent the Jets packing. So, I, you know, I just thought there was a level of Maybe arrogance that was a bit too much for me. I, I just don't see why you can't keep an open mind to, you know, Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg playing in the same lineup next season. Because maybe they have as good of an offseason as Logan Stanley did this past year, right? Or we see Harkins and, and Gustafson up front make a similar leap in their early 20s. We've just seen over the past couple of years throughout the NHL, young players that are given opportunities and responsibility by other franchises flourish when they get the chance. And I just don't feel overly confident that that's going to be the case heading into the regular season next season here in Winnipeg. Now, having said all of that, there's a part of me too that's just like, who bleeping cares, <laughs> right? Like, who cares what is said now in June? Because ultimately, talk is cheap. And the time for action is right now. So, hey, I would rather the Jets say all the wrong things in the middle of June in 2021 and then make a couple of big moves later this summer than for them to nail the pressers last week and then sit on their hands heading into a massive, massive season. So, 
Look, I understand the angst from the fan base. I guess I'll just say that let's hope in a couple months we're talking about where Dougie Hamilton and Neil Pionk on the right side ranks amongst the best in the NHL or something juicy like that instead of, you know, what to me sounded like a bit of an apathetic and, and maybe even hopeless fan base after a tough, tough end to the season. So we will continue our off-season coverage on skates and plates throughout the summer, including when we return with our next episode on Friday. But in the meantime, let's get to a very special guest that stopped by the show. All right, very pleased now to be joined with the host of the Chell Squared podcast, as well as the associate producer for Sirius XM NBA Radio, Andrew Chelney. Andrew, how's it going today, man? What's going on, man? Happy to be here. Beauty. Well, you know, we just found out during the break that we're dealing with obviously a hockey fan first, but growing up in the New York area, a Rangers fan pretty much since the beginning. And the big news in the NHL right now, Gerard Gallant, slated to be the next head coach with the New York Rangers as a Flyers fan. This kills me because I think it's higher. <laughs> Are you on the, the same boat as me that it just it probably doesn't get any better? Then the New York Rangers finding someone as qualified as Gallant to be their next head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think if you take a look at the list of candidates that were available to be hired, Gerard Gallant was at the top of that list. There were some rumors going around that I never really took to heart. Some rumors that Rod Brendamore was going to get fired, and the, I don't believe that for a second. And if, if you take Rod out of the equation, which, I mean, you should because he's not going anywhere, at least I don't think so. Uh, then Gerard Gallant was the best candidate available at this moment in time. And so for the Rangers, you get an experienced coach who has taken the Panthers to success, who has taken uh, a, an expansion team with nothing to the cup final. And so, and, and if Holpe doesn't make that stick save, maybe they win the cup. So at the end of the day, when you have a coach that can do things like that with a roster that, might not scream cup final or might not scream continued playoff success. I think this is a phenomenal get for the Rangers in terms of the fit and the timing of of the movement. With David Quinn, I mean there there's so many things wrong. There's so many things that he he's a he's a great college coach, but there were just so many things at the NHL level that he did that kind of just didn't work out well and he stuck to him playing Brett Howden constantly when all he did was just skate he did nothing else except for skate around the ice Libor Hayek he kept playing a guy who doesn't have the foot power doesn't have the the hockey IQ to make plays before they happen he kept playing those guys and we saw what happened throughout the season with that team where they just collapsed and they couldn't get it done uh when you know when they needed it most so for Gerard Gallant that kind of thing won't happen he's been around the block so many times now sure he has his favorites I mean every coach ever has favorites uh and he won't be perfect I feel like Rangers fans have to know that Gerard Gallant is not this perfect coach that will never make a mistake. He's he's going to make mistakes, and people will find ways to be, find things to dislike about him. But at the end of the day, if you take a look at the list of candidates that were available at this time, Gerard Gallant has to be a home run for the New York Rangers. Yeah, and, and we'll get to the Jets in just a second here, but it's an interesting time as well, and just that when you look at you know the Metro Division, which we're all going back to next season, 
the Penguins and Capitals, they probably will still be good, but aging, and and we could see a step back from either of those teams. Carolina will still be good, but possibly or probably losing Dougie Hamilton. The Flyers, whatever. Uh, Columbus is kind of entering a rebuild here. It does set up nicely, or at least the proposition of the Rangers might not just be a playoff team next season, but a young team that's a year older. I don't want to say division favorites, but certainly it's it's very likely to envision them finishing, what, in the top three, top two next season? It's going to be interesting because we don't know what's going to happen this summer. Either everything can happen where they get Jack Eichel and they get big names and they go on this ridiculous run, or nothing could happen and we don't know what's going to and nothing changes. So right now, the the... The biggest rumor going on is that Jack Eichel will be a Ranger. Whether whether or not that shakes out, the I think it was uh, Elliot Friedman who said, and, and I m- might be mistaken on that, so don't quote me on one hundred percent. But I think I said so- I think I saw something from him that said uh, that Eichel will probably be dealt by the draft. So if that happens, we will get a much better understanding of what the Rangers are going to be doing this summer. If they get Jack Eichel, that's huge because they get that they get Mika Zibanejad is a phenomenal center, is the top center for the for the team, and now you have two of them. And now you have two top centers that can dominate the middle of the ice, which the Rangers desperately desperately needed and I would imagine that Ryan Strom goes in that deal with with his salary. I would imagine he goes. And so if that happens, then we're talking big we're talking probably another upgrade on on defense more depth upgrades as well probably a, a different backup goalie unless they like Georgiev enough to, to stick around which I mean he I think he took a step back last season he didn't really perform as well as I thought he would um and then you have the prince and Eddie Igor Shesterkin who carries the team as per as you know as any number one goalie does so if everything goes well and if the Rangers can get Jack Eichel I think that prediction could possibly come true. You got a lot of young talent on that team. Lafreniere is going to be a year older. Kapokako, another year older. Vitaly Kravtsov, who played well for Spurtsov last season, he's going to be a year older. Uh, and of course, the the Norris winner hopefully should be Adam <laughs> Fox is on that blue line, and so that team is going to be dangerous. Now it's up to Gerard Gallant to piece everything together and. Make make uh uh you know like if, if you open a puzzle box on the on the on the box you see the picture you see the finished product and it's now up to Gerard Gallant to put the pieces together in order to in order to mirror what that final pro what that final picture should look like we'll see but for now it's promising well you know I, I'm glad you brought up a potential massive off season because. I mean, it seems like every team in the NHL this year is that route. But I can tell you here in Winnipeg, that phrase has been uttered, you know, in in years past. And it's certainly being thrown around right now. So we'll transition over to the Winnipeg Jets. And and before we get to the offseason, where there's a ton of potential upheaval and, and roster moves to be made, I'm, I'm always curious to get the outsider's perspective on the Winnipeg Jets. Because sometimes it just feels like we're in a bubble here. But, you know, what were your takes from that series against Montreal? Did, did anything stand out to you in particular from the Winnipeg side of things as opposed to Montreal? I mean, there were spurts where the Winnipeg Jets just did not look like they wanted to be out there. And that's a problem in and of its Like, that's the biggest problem of all is if you're playing in the second round of the playoffs, how do you look like you don't want to be there? Like, that... 
that is red flag number one. Because for for a lot of the time they were competitive and they looked good and they were they were clicking sort of, and then there were other times where they just didn't play much of any kind of hockey. They were just kind of chasing the Canadiens as they were doing their thing. And how much of that is on the players? How much of that is on the coaching staff? You traded Patrick Laine, who is who is one of the best snipers in the game, for for Pierre Luc Dubois, who is a better all around player. And at the time, I thought Winnipeg won the trade because Patrick Laine not very good defensively. Every you know, it's not a, it's not a secret. Patrick Laine doesn't really play defense. So and and Pierre Luc Dubois is a better all around player who can defend. He can score. He can do a lot of different things. At the time, I thought that was going to be a, a slam dunk for the Winnipeg Jets, but he didn't really play a lot in that series. And when he did, he didn't show me much. He he was just kind of there. There were spurts, there were moments, but he wasn't as much of a presence as the as the as a player that was traded for your top player should be. And that was also another red flag. I mean, Hellebuck was phenomenal. There were certain goals that he gave up that maybe he wants back. Um, but if you're going to blame somebody for that, t- for that playoff series, it better not be Connor Hellebuck because there's, there's more pressing issues for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and you know what? I, I don't even think it was necessarily Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't play that much. It's that there was melt carton mode and, and nobody knew where he was. I mean, it, it was just a bad season for him all around. I, I think, you know, and myself included, a lot of people are hopeful that he's going to turn it around next year. You know, you get a year under your belt, the pandemic season's over and you can kind of get back to, you know, the guy that he was in Columbus for those two seasons. Plus he's um, in a contract year and we all know players seem to, uh, for some odd reason, don't know why, but sure. seem to uh, yeah seem to up their uh, abilities when it comes time to get paid. Now we started off this segment talking about coaching and Gerard Gallant to the Rangers. Would love to get your thoughts on Paul Maurice. I and not even close the most divisive figure in uh, in Winnipeg right now when it comes to the Jets. Uh, from your perspective on the outside looking in, good job done by Paul Maurice in his tenure in Winnipeg. Do you think he deserves? Another shot at coaching the team next season, which it obviously looks like he's going to do. Or did you think that maybe a a change behind the bench was something this Winnipeg team needed to take themselves to the next level? I mean, I think the biggest answer to that question is, and you know, you could always fire a coach, but the, 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 the second question becomes, okay, well, who do you hire? And whether or not you like Paul Maurice or not, if you do choose to let him go, well, you have to have somebody else in mind to take over. And if you don't like the performance of the Jets with Paul Maurice and his coaching staff behind the bench, I don't think you could. Cook, I don't think you could go the Columbus route of hiring your assistant to be the next head coach. If you don't like the way that this current coaching staff operates, you need to bring in somebody from the outside to get a fresh look on your team. Now, okay, so you fire Paul Maurice. Who's the next coach? Because the best name off the list that we just talked about, Gerard Gallant, is now with the Rangers. So who would it be? Would it be Bruce Boudreaux? Would it be somebody else that, you know, somebody that, that people might not be thinking about but could be somebody that fits with Winnipeg? Because it could it, sometimes it's, it's not the, the biggest name that has the best fit. Sometimes it's a lesser-known coach or somebody that, that flew under the radar that 
makes the biggest impact on your team. So whether or not you like Paul Maurice, if you choose to let him go, well, then you need somebody, at least you're thinking about a potential list of candidates that you think could do a much better job than Paul Maurice right now. Does he deserve to get fired? I mean, he's been there a long time, and the Winnipeg Jets have had success here and there, but that playoff series was and is a stain on this current regime because you can't get swept by a lesser team in the Montreal Canadiens. Let's call it like it is. The Montreal Canadiens are in the are in the conference finals and they're cruising. They 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 beat the Leafs. I mean somehow. And they they and now they swept the the Winnipeg Jets, so they're on a roll. And I'm not discrediting the Canadiens because they they have they're they're a great Cinderella team so far. They look like the L.A. Kings of yesteryear with when they went on those Cup runs, even though they were the under the underdog, especially in 2012. So the the argument is, does Paul Maurice deserve to lose his job? I mean, it's. You, you could go both ways there for sure, but if you are planning to let him go, which is fine, and I won't argue against that because there's certainly points to be made as to why he needs to be fired, but if you are going to let him go, well, then give me a name that's better than Paul Maurice. And you take a look at the candidates. I mean, it's is it Bruce Boudreaux? Is it somebody else? Well, that's, I guess, up to you to decide. Yeah, it, it's just wild that, you know, whatever side of the fence you're on, and, and hey, if you want to throw this out as a trivia question on on Chell Squared coming up in your next uh, episode to drop, he's the second longest tenured coach of the NHL. And I just don't know how many people would guess that or realize that only John Cooper has been the coach of the same team as long as Paul Maurice has. I mean, what is evident that, you know, even with some, you know, potential divide in thinking, Kevin Chevalayoff has tabbed Paul Maurice as the coach for the team next season. So if that's the case, and, you know, as GM of the Jets, you think that, you know, we have the right leadership group to potentially take us to the next level. I want to ask you just how good do you think the Jets really are? Do you think that this sweep to the Canadian is maybe the true indicator that they are a, a flawed team with a ton of skill but can never go too deep into the playoffs? Or do you think that with, you know, maybe a tweak here or there on the roster – that they could vault back to where they were, you know, in 2018 when they were, no doubt about it, one of the powerhouses in the NHL. Well, right now their biggest concern is the blue line because the blue line doesn't really contend with some of the other blue lines that we're still seeing in the NHL. I mean, right now you have Josh Morrissey, who's great, and you have and you have Neil Pionk, a former Rangers legend, who didn't play well in New York. Uh, but then was traded for Jacob Truba, and Truba hasn't really played that great in New York. While Neil Pionk has had kind of a resurgence and has played really well in Winnipeg. After that, though, there's not a whole lot there in terms of solid defensemen that you can count on to make that defensive play when you critically need it the most. And that's the biggest adjustment that that Kevin Sheldayoff and the Jets have to look at this season is, and we talked about it before, you know, recording the episode that Dustin Buffalo is not going to walk through that door. He's, he's not, he's not coming back as far as, I mean, as from everything that we know about Dustin Buffalo and that situation, he's not coming back. So, and even if he does, he's going to be an older, even, even slower version of the already slow Buffalo that we saw. I don't think we're going to see him do media ever again, let alone play in the NHL ever again. And that could very well be the case. And so Buffalo's not coming back. Okay. Well, 
I listed two defensemen that I trust for the Winnipeg Jets, Morrissey and Neil Pionk. Neil is Neil Pionk a top two defenseman? Probably not. He's a, he's he's probably best suited in that top four role. So okay, so you need a top two defenseman. Now those are not easy to come by. Now we've we've heard Dougie Hamilton's name thrown out there that Carolina is is letting him talk to other teams. Would he be a good fit for Winnipeg? I I don't know. But uh, I do know that Seattle's def- has to be interested in him because that's that that could be their star player that they could build around and and say okay well we have Dougie Hamilton we have that that one D that two D in place and now we can sort of jigsaw puzzle this this roster around him I would imagine that Seattle is going to be the the top team interested in him but Winnipeg should at least. You know, for for the for the Jets fans, hope for the, for the Jets fans' sake, I hope they I hope they take a look at Dougie Hamilton. What it would take to get a deal done, I don't know, but he he could be a good fit for them. Um, but that that's really the biggest thing because you can't worry about the goaltending. Obviously, it's Connor Hellebuck. He's a Vesna winner. I mean, is he's the only reason some sometimes sometimes that the Jets are even anywhere close to winning a game. Like th- this is this is your anchor of the team. I'm not worried about him at all. Um, Depth scoring also needs to get tweaked a little bit. I mean, you, you, there were again, there were some points in the, during the season where they had it, and there are other times in the season, most of the season, where the 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 depth scoring in the Winnipeg Jets just wasn't there, and that's another big concern. Is well, you can't rely on Shifley and Blake Wheeler to score a hundred points every night. Like you need other players especially on your, your third line, your fourth line, to pick up the scoring when Shifley doesn't score a goal, when Blake Wheeler doesn't have three assists. They, you need those kind of players that can step up and score, and that's what they need right now. There's there's some holes in this team, but if Kevin Sheveldayoff can figure it out, this could be a dangerous team. Now, will any of what I just said happen? It's <laughs> a great question. Yeah, and I we'll we'll get into the defensive targets and everything, you know, for the Winnipeg Jets moving forward. I get everyone's excited about the Dougie Hamilton thing. I put that at one percent. I just think Seattle is maybe the the front runner there, and then there's a number of other teams that are going to be ahead of Winnipeg just because again it's Winnipeg versus name your major market city in the U.S. But I do want to get your take because you watch more Rangers games than you know anybody in Winnipeg does. Truba Morrissey was a great defensive pairing. Truba Morrissey split apart have both struggled since that trade, which I don't think a lot of people anticipated. What, I mean, why has Jacob Truba failed to settle in and and live up to his $8 million cap it so far with the Rangers? That's a great question. Uh, that's the million. That's the eight million dollar question yeah. for the Rangers. Because when they when they first signed Truba to that eight million dollar deal, the expectation was that this cap was going to increase exponentially because of this new TV deal and everything was going to be was every, everything was going to go great. And then the pandemic happened, and then the cap was flat, and the cap is going to stay flat. So it looks like a bad contract now. But at the time, it wasn't going to be as bad because the thought process was that the limit was going to be a lot higher than it currently is. So it was okay for the Rangers to swallow that pill of that big contract 
because okay, well, if you know if the cap is what a lot higher than it is now, it doesn't look that bad. But now with the cap staying flat, it looks much worse. And with Jacob Truba, the the concerns are kind of in both ends of the ice. Where in Winnipeg, he had a lot more offensive freedom, and we'll see whether Gerard Gallant can kind of reinvent Jacob Truba to be a little bit of what he was in Winnipeg. Maybe David Quinn didn't give him the freedom to to create offensively. Maybe that's the case. I'm not in the locker room, so I who knows at the besides David Quinn and Jacob Truba. But I would imagine that Gerard Gallant could potentially give Jacob Truba that that extra leash that allows him to be a little bit more creative in the offensive zone and we'll see his numbers go up a little bit. And as opposed, and and for his defensive side, I mean, he's sometimes he's he's good, other times he gives up multiple goals. So, it it's kind of hit or miss with Jacob Truba. I mean, he he's making a lot of money, and so far he's been kind of a disappointment in in New York. But with with a new coach coming in and kind of giving kind of getting a new direction on this team. I would think that he looks a little bit like he did in Winnipeg. It would be surprising to me if he looks the same way next year as he did, well, as as he's been with the Rangers. Yeah, it's just a very, very unique situation to have two young defensemen that played so well together. No reason to think that wouldn't continue for them, but they get split up, and it's basically been disappointment for both of those players to varying degrees over the past couple of seasons. One last one for you here, because out there in New York, you enjoy the uh, the spoils of Henrik Lundqvist being in net for you know over a decade and a Hall of Fame career and all that. In Winnipeg, maybe not to that degree, but pretty close. Connor Hellebuck has been Vesna quality for, I think, three seasons in a row now. Do you think that there's the chance that you know maybe Winnipeg is wasting goaltending prime right now and there should be more urgency when it comes to you know potential offseason moves giving up some future assets to try and win now because the Rangers had that window with Lungfist got close to a cup final but couldn't quite get it done do you think that the Jets need to maybe up the urgency level a little bit to avoid a similar fate they should I mean if they haven't already then they absolutely should because you don't get elite goaltending on your team very often I, unless, of course, I guess you're the Rangers when you get Richter and you get Lundqvist and now you have Shesterkin and, and you know and the list goes on. But unless, of course, you're the Rangers, the, the, the list of elite goaltenders that your franchise gets to employ is not a very long list. It doesn't happen very often. So whenever you have the opportunity with a goaltender that you trust, that can stand on his head, that has won the Vesna Trophy as the best goalie in the world, and you don't make the necessary moves that you feel can get this team over the hump. And we saw that over the deadline this season where the Winnipeg Jets didn't do anything. They made one, I think it was one small trade, and that was it. And when you have the core of Shifley and, and an aging Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellbuck was in his prime, you need to make more moves than that. It's just point blank. The Winnipeg Jets needed to do something else besides making that one minor trade to really solidify this team as a potential cup contender. They didn't do that. They stood pat, and look where it got them. 
So you can, there's a lot of different angles that you can look at here. Is it on the players? Is it on the coaching? But also, is it on the, is it on Kevin Sheveldayoff? Is it on the management for not pushing the envelope more with the team that they currently have? And that's a valid argument to have because at the end of the day, when you have an elite goaltender, which again, you, half the league would, would love right now. If Florida had Connor Hellbuck, they would not have lost. They probably wouldn't have lost to Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay is an incredible team. They, the Florida Panthers, number one reason why they lost is because of goaltending. And so, if they had Connor Hellbuck, oh, this is we're not having the same conversation. So, when you have the opportunity with with a, a goaltender of Hellbuck's quality. You need to do everything you can to make sure that that window is as open and ready for action as possible. And this season, it doesn't look like Kevin Sh- Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets were interested in that. And may- maybe maybe they called around some teams and the price was too high. Maybe you know there's there's certainly varying degrees of of circumstances that prevented them from making trades maybe that's the case but as it stands right now looking back on the complete disaster that was the second round they should have done more they should have made at least one you know not or say a huge trade but at least one good trade to bolster that team they didn't do it and blake wielder is not getting any younger Shifley's in his prime, and Connor Halibut's in his prime. Your time is now, and if you don't want to do anything, well, then you have to trade Blake Wheeler at some point to get something back because he's, you know, like he's he's a phenomenal player, but he's only going to be a phenomenal player for so long. So if you don't want to, if you don't want to go all in, you can't you can't have it both ways. Yeah, I mean, it sets up for a hell of an off season because. A lot of fans have been asking for some big moves for a while now, and I can guarantee that, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on, if Chevy stands pat, there may not be sellouts at Bell MTS plays for game one, game two, game three of the regular season upcoming here. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Chell Squared is the name of the podcast. Let our listeners know where they can tune in and what they can expect when they listen to um any episode of chell squared and what you have coming up next i appreciate you having me on man it's been a blast um chell squared on any podcasting platform you can think of our podcast spotify anchor if it's not on your preferred platform let me know and i will find a way to put it on there um every episode is something else i have i cover the entire league um i've had John Forsett on the show. I've had Brett Hull on the show. Brett Hull gave me an entire hour somehow. I've had Bill Clement on the show recently. I think I had him back on in March. Um, I mean, I, I, I've i had Pat LaFontaine on the show at one point as well. I mean, I pride myself on getting good guests and guests that know what they're talking about. And I obviously inject my my opinion as well, and we get and we get some good banter going on. But if it's a really big guest, the guest it's all about the guest. So Bill, when I had Bill Clement on, I think like forty five seconds of the of the conversation was me, and the rest of it was just Bill Clement telling stories. I mean, Bill Clement was amazing. Um, but every every episode is different, um, whether it be from from beat writers to broadcasters to former players or or otherwise. I pride myself on getting people that know what they talk what they. You know, these these are these are prime people in the NHL, prime people that know what they're talking about and will give us will give me and give everybody who's listening the best insight uh, about 
you know, X, Y, and Z. So I, I won't get, you know, the, the Joe Schmoes of, of off the street. These are people that you trust that I trust to get the, to get the best analysis on the market. And if, if that's the kind of thing that you like, and we're, we, you know, we have fun, we, we talk, we talk a lot of hockey and we have, you know, this, these, this is, uh, I, 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 these, this is premier conversations, and if that's up your alley, the Chell Squared, man, this is this is the podcast for you. Well, I pride myself, too, on getting good guests, and I think I made sure I followed through on that one, having you join me here today, Andrew. So, again, appreciate the time, and I'll make sure that we talk again soon, all right? Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. Thanks again to Andrew for stopping by, and make sure to check out Chell Squared to get your fix of NHL-wide coverage and some beauty interviews as well. We're back on Friday, continue our off-season talk and getting ready for another great food interview to close out the week. Some big shoes to follow after Hudson Bagels last week, so make sure you tune into that one as we close out the week in style yet again. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Like I said, we're back again on Friday. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.